Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Acts. Today is episode 317. We're looking at Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. Let's read our passage. Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors, the promise our twelve tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison, since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme, since I was terribly enraged at them. I pursued them even to foreign cities. Paul's in Caesarea. He was sent there for safekeeping from the commander of the Roman troops in Jerusalem because there was a plot against his life. And also the Jews were demanding that he be put to death. And only the governor of Judea could do that. And the governor was in Caesarea. So the commander of the Roman troops sent Paul to Caesarea. The governor at that time was Felix. Felix listened to the accusations of the Jews, and it was obvious he didn't put any stock in them, but he didn't want to upset the Jewish leaders, so he kept Paul in jail for two years. Then when Festus took the place of Felix as governor of Judea, the Jewish leaders again went to Festus and asked for Paul to be released to be tried by them. He declined their quest and held a trial again in Caesarea, in which case they made the same accusations. Festus was unconvinced of what they were saying, but he offered Paul the opportunity to go to Jerusalem to stand trial there. Paul declined and instead appealed to Caesar. Now Festus has to send Paul to Rome to carry out his appeal to the emperor, but he has to send her a letter along with him explaining what the charges are. And he really doesn't understand what the charges are. So King Agrippa and his sister Bernice have come to town to pay respects to the new governor. And he is knowledgeable about Jewish things. In fact, he has the authority to appoint the Jewish high priest. So Festus told Agrippa about Paul. And Agrippa said, I'd like to hear him. So here we are with the hearing before Agrippa. Festus convened the hearing and now has turned it over to Agrippa. So we pick it up here in chapter 26, verse 1. 
Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So it seems that Festus has turned the proceedings over to Agrippa because it's specifically been convened for Agrippa to be able to hear what Paul has to say. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. Well, it's not clear exactly what his defense would be because it's not clear what the crimes he's alleged to have committed are. They've been raising these basically three or four challenges against Paul. One, that he's a troublemaker and trying to even uh, make it to the point of sedition against Rome. Everywhere he goes, he causes trouble. And so he's a threat to the, the peace of Rome. Secondly, he's a leader of Christianity. He's a leader of this Nazarene sect. And it tries to make that some kind of nefarious thing. And that he made this attempt to defile the temple. Now, interspersed through that is also the charge that he is teaching against Jewish law. So Paul continues the defense in verse 2. I consider myself fortunate that as before you, King Agrippa, I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Now, that sounds like a lot of flattery, and it is the way you speak to somebody of high importance, such as the king here. And uh, so Paul does use very respectful language, but actually he's being perfectly honest here because when he makes his defense to Festus, Festus doesn't understand any of this stuff, and he's honest about that. He says, I don't understand this. That's why he's so happy that King Agrippa is here. And so Paul says, because you know things about Jewish customs and laws, and, and ways. He's, he's truthful. And so it is a good thing that he can speak uh, about his faith to someone who understands Judaism. Because of the charges that have been levied against Paul, the whole idea of sedition, of being a troublemaker, that all kind of went away. The uh, idea of trying to defile the temple, well, they couldn't come up with any witnesses for that. The challenge of being a leader of Christianity, uh, that didn't really turn out to be much. So he's really just left with the teaching against the laws of Judaism. And Paul's saying, King Agrippa, you know about that sort of thing. So verse 4, All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. Most of this we've seen before in various things. A lot of what he says here is very similar to what he said in the temple after the Roman troops rescued him from the mob that was beating him as they were taking him into the barracks. He asked permission to speak to the crowd, and he said much the same of what he's saying here. Now, it's a different setting, a different audience, so he uses different language but the the actual storyline is very similar. Everybody can tell you that I was raised as a Jew, and I spent a good bit, bit of my time in Jerusalem. So verse 5, They have known me for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. 
So King Agrippa obviously knows about the Pharisees and Sadducees. He knows what the Pharisees are all about. They are the strictest group. They're all about following the law. And he knows that Sadducees don't believe in resurrection and Pharisees do. So verse 6 he says, Now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors. The promise our twelve tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? So this is an issue he has raised, this whole idea of this hope of resurrection. And every Pharisee would believe in a hope of a resurrection. The Sadducees would deny that. But it's a common belief among your average Jewish person is this idea of resurrection. The Pharisees pretty much run the synagogues, and most of the people go to synagogues and are, are under that influence. So it would be a, it's a common belief, a common hope of resurrection. Now, where Paul differs is he says, and that has all been shown, this hope of resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is the Messiah. So his challenge here is, throughout time, the, the Jews have been hoping for a resurrection. He says that's why they... Uh, serve him night and day. He's talking about the, the constant uh, sacrifices and offerings that are made at the temple around the clock uh, all year long. It's this worship of God because of the hope they have in what he will do. Verse 9, in fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he's still uh, following the same storyline he used there in Jerusalem of, and I persecuted the Christians. Verse 10, I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison, since I'd received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. He uses the word saints here, and it's, it's interesting that in this setting he refers to the followers of Christ as saints. Now the word saint uh, in the Greek is just holy ones. And so some apply a a possessive pronoun there and say his holy ones, his saints. Here uh, in this translation it just says the saints. I locked up many of the saints. And when some of them were put to death, he says I was in agreement with that. Now there's not a lot of evidence that many were put to death. We know Stephen was taken out and stoned. And how official of an action that was, or was that just a mob action? They really didn't have the authority to put people to death for following Christ. Not to say that they didn't, but uh, it probably wasn't that widespread. But Paul agreed with it that they should be put to death. Verse 11, in all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme, since I was terribly enraged at them, and I pursued them even to foreign cities. So by getting them blaspheme, he means to recant their Christianity, that he would punish them, torture them, force them to recant, to curse Christ because of his disdain for them. And now he's setting it up. I even pursued them to foreign cities. Now we know where this is going because 
this is going to take us to Damascus when he comes face to face with Jesus Christ. So thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Acts.